welcome to More to Come, Publishers Weekly's Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Meg Lemke. I'm PW's Comics Reviews Editor. So you can check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And this week on More to Come, we're talking with Peter Rostovsky about his debut graphic novel, which was one of the winners of the MoCA Fest Excellence Awards. It also got a star review in Publishers Weekly. Damnation Diaries. It's out this August from Uncivilized Books. It's the story of what it's like to go to hell, and when you're in hell, to decide to go into psychotherapy. So I wanted to jump right in. Welcome, Peter, to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. And I wanted to talk to you because, you know, the book, it's set in hell. It has a lot of grotesque imagery, including sexual imagery, um, some abstracted dehumanized body parts. There's torture. It's like your classic, this is hell, you know, art uh, style. Um, and the narration and dialogue is pretty, like, downplaying the proceedings or more elevated. It's an interesting contrast. We've seen in, you know, other works that depict hell. Now, this book is coming out in August from indie publisher Uncivilized, but it's been delayed, you know, to that date, at this new release date, and that's partly because it was stuck with censors where it was printed in China. Can you, like, yeah. tell us what happened with that? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh Yes. So, you know, every book uh, I know has, uh, you know, a challenging time making it out into the world um, and, you know, just to press. And this was one of those instances where, you know, we were green lit to print. Uh, We were, you know, we color proofed it, went through the entire process. And it had actually been submitted to the censor, uh, I believe, a month before, just as we were getting ready to press the print button. Um, the printer came back and, and it was flagged for, you know, concerns about violence. But then also uh, there is content in the book that uh, no doubt would have, you know, uh, did, in fact, rub uh the chinese communist party uh the wrong way and um and on top of this so so essentially the you know the the printer couldn't couldn't take the job it was it was too too treacherous um and the truck driver you know this is my understanding also was afraid to transport it and uh so this was certainly my first case of uh, i guess like open censorship it was uh, Tom's uh, first brush with it uh, as well. And uh, Tom was uh, my publisher, Tom Kuczynski. And uh, and so it was, um, you know, we had to pivot uh, printers. And so we um, started getting uh, other, you know, other uh, estimates and moved the job to uh, Lithuania. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, but it's, I you know, this is like my standard line. I thought this book <laughs> was meant to be, a searing satire, a satire of life in the United States. So I was just really um, kind of struck by the fact that there was something in it that, you know, that obviously uh, felt like an indictment of, you know, Chinese style uh, totalitarianism. The, it's a full color book. This is why it was being printed by Tom, as, who, as you mentioned, is the publisher of mm-hmm. Uncivilized, um, Tom K, as I call him. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Um, and he is himself, a, he is European as well, right? So you're both Correct. immigrants who are commenting on the experience. I should open that up. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so Tom and I, you know, shared that, that kind of, uh, you know, Soviet uh, uh, 
state uh, upbringing. And I think that, that there are parts in the, um, in the book where he also is like, hey, that's, that's essentially, <clears throat> you know, the Soviet regime in terms of the bureaucracy and the logistics and <clears throat> some of the, the absurd type of, you know, machinations. And, uh, yes, I, so I came here in 1980 as uh, a Jewish refugee. This was part of the, the great, you know, uh, exodus, for lack of a better term, in, in the, uh, the 80s. And I came here in 1980, so we're actually one of the last waves um, back then. And, uh, and so this was, uh, you know, that was a very, very um, formative, challenging, uh, dramatic period in my life. I came here uh, just with my mother and we had settled um, in the Bronx uh, initially uh, and then eventually moved to Long Island. But uh, the Bronx, uh, you know, I just want to slip this in there. It's actually where I discovered comics because mm. I some, somehow um, like magnetically uh, found a comic book store and with very little English, hung out there and read comics in, you know, you can imagine what gold was coming out from like 19 to 1984. Um, and so uh, it's essentially kind of learned English and uh, a lot of American culture via comics. And I understand that's Tom's experience as well in terms of the kind of early comic um, uh, cultivation. So you are Rush, well, Russian Jewish, uh, moved to the U.S. Tom is from Czechoslovakia, is that correct? Uh, Poland. Czech Republic? Poland. Poland. All right. Poland. Thank yep. you. Yep. Um, so Tom and you both have had this experience of moving from other countries, uh, coming to the U.S., and then having the book stuck in China. And the book yep. is this uh, indictment of t- totalitarianism and uh you know, gentrification. There's, it's a political work. Uh, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but I thought, I just thought this, the meta narrative here of the way that this book has sort of come together, uh, to critique the U.S. and then get stuck anyways in censorship is, is really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's, that's one of the, the strange ironies of working on this book. And, and, you know, it was started in, in 2015. It started out as a short story that was published in, uh, the third rail quarterly. And so the, mm-hmm. the initial story was um, Fred Greenberg, Hell's Therapist. And then, um, you know, I sort of put it down for a while. And then I think we had actually talked about this um, uh, a little bit at MoCA. Uh, it was actually, uh, you know, it, it was, I don't want to say in hibernation, but it was really this this kind of... Um, chorus of uh encouragement uh, especially from the fine art community uh mm-hmm. to to and, and you know the writing community as well to make this into a graphic novel but it was uh really for the most part created within the trump years and so mm. to the extent that you know i see it as uh uh you know it, it's been described as auto fiction but it's definitely like you know memoir driven so so it necessarily reflects all of those pressures, certainly the the cauldron of the Trump years and just the the kind of entropic, um, you know, scope of that experience. And at the same time, um, you know, everything that I was going through, uh, you know, with, as I was, you know, crafting this uh, this graphic novel. Uh Oh, you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm still there. Sorry. We, we I thought we <laughs> glitched for a second. No, no, I could. Yeah. Um, 
Let's back up there because you were mentioning that you were being encouraged by folks in the fine arts community. Mm-hmm. So you've been a painter for many years in New York City and um, really sort of fantastic, f- fabulous like art that has these in these really uh, surreal visions. You know, that's how I would describe that work. And how did you mm-hmm. take that background and you know tell us more about your background as a fine arts painter and translate it into comics work? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for that question. I mean, I, you know, I think that I um, underwent a, a kind of revolution. You know, uh, uh, I mean, if if the book sort of <laughs> has echoes of that. I think it also reflects a kind of personal transformation. And so, you know, in 2016, I went to McDowell, um, uh, which, you know, is a residency uh, program. And I went in there as a painter. Mm. And so um, it was really there that I I sort of got the, you know, both the encouragement and, and I think the inspiration uh, to pursue this. But the transition has been, you know, I should say really difficult because, um, you know, and I, I'm very open about this. I think comics are, you know, it's such an incredibly symphonic uh, medium. Um, it's so multidimensional. It's so complex as a language. It's so nuanced and there's so much wisdom uh, in it as well. And uh, and also it's profoundly, you know, it's incredibly time consuming. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I what I feel that I brought to the forum as a painter is this kind of painterly attitude. There's one painting, um, you know, uh, oil painting <laughs> in the in the book. And uh, so I feel like, you know, th- th- this kind of attitude that I have uh, towards the, you know, the tableau is something that I tried to um, bring into the the book. At the same time, it was also really humbling for me because I had to learn a very different language. And so when I look at it in retrospect, you know, I, I feel like what translated really wonderfully was my love of, uh, for instance, you know, Baroque drawing uh, or mm-hmm. 19th century drawing like Doré. Uh, also, of course, my my love of uh, uh, popular art, you know, Bernie Wrightson or uh, Francois Squeeton, you know, from the from the Belgian um, comic school. So all of this stuff that I feel like is is kind of like in sync with my artistic background. And then there's all of this stuff where I, I really had to like be a student <laughs> again and you know learn this language and uh, have painting take a bit of a back seat. And and at the same time, you know, this is one of my um, reasons for for moving into comics is that. As a fine artist, I always felt quite cloistered and limited, especially in terms of the audience. I think in terms of uh, the fact that fine art is a kind of luxury good. And so I really regard comics um, and graphic narrative as a form of public art. Um, And so in this regard, you know, that demands a certain uh, type of skill set that demands a, a kind of a, a different mode of address. And so I feel like that was the other conversion that I kind of went through in terms of crafting this. I mean, you certainly didn't skimp though on the craft. This, the work does have the detail of, um, of a, of a beautifully done painting. Like there's incredibly detailed work on each page. I'm sure this took a huge amount of time. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, I think <laughs> when I look back on it, uh, I, you know, I've described it as my Fitzcarraldo. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, my, my friend John Allen, who's a really wonderful cartoonist, he, you know, he was a reader uh, on it. And he was like, all, the, all those little lines, you know, right. and, I think, and I think it's because, uh, you know, I'm specifically looking at this kind of, I guess, what now would be considered like old school comics work like Bernie Wrightson mm-hmm. or Francois Squinton, who uh, imitates engravings, you know, or even Doré. And so these these forms, I feel like, belong to kind of different epochs and different time signatures, different economic pressures. Um, so, you know, but I did it. It's too late. I like it. You know, would I do it all over again <laughs> in the same style? I don't know. But yes, it took it took a very, very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a, just for, you know, listeners turn to envision this, there's a shifting back and forth between large scale, um, architectural scenes of hell, which include a lot of destruction and sense of ruin and sense of, you know, hellish landscapes. Mm-hmm. But these, they're, it's done up as a kind of, uh, apocalyptic cityscape. Mm-hmm. And then these close up portraits, both of torture and demons and sort of this press of the humanity of souls. And then our individual tortured protagonist, who it's interesting you're describing as autofiction, uh, since it is in hell. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and the <laughs> protagonist is unnamed, who's given a number, you know, like the Johnny Cash song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his relationships with, it turns out, both his ex-girlfriend or wife, his partner, mm-hmm. uh, and his mother are in hell with him. Uh, and so there's, there's the idea that you, there's even no escape from all of the tortures of relationship. And I have a question here about whether the book um, is saying that hell is New York City or hell is other people mm. uh, or both, you know. <laughs> There's yeah. definitely a critique here of um, modern cities and of of modern art. Uh, the key, the character is an art teacher who in some ways is suffering for his uh, sins of sending so many aspiring students into debt. Yes. Well, you know, I, I feel that debt is one of the themes of the book and, um, and, you know, it's, I, I think emotional debt as well, you know, the debt that we owe our loved ones, the people, um, that we share our lives with, you know, so, so I feel like that's, uh, that kind of emotional tangle is a big part of it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, it's interesting, like, you know, um, if I think of like other versions uh, of hell, you know, that kind of see it as, um, you know, like in game and it's sort of like, it's like the dark, you know, reflection of heaven. Uh, what I really wanted to do was um, to have hell really be a kind of amplification of uh, modern life. Mm. And so, so yes, it, it, you know, it has all of these surreal elements. And of course it's a gift to the artist to be able to draw these uh, broken landscapes and uh, distended bodies and to have this very like, you know, uh, kind of like rated R <laughs> content uh, that's, you know, really like uh, one of the, the like the staples of, of horror films, certainly. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wanted it to seem incredibly uh, familiar. So it is, um, you know, would be very familiar to anyone who lives in New York or another large city and, you know, deals with gentrification and the kind of growing, uh, you know, exponentially growing uh, inequality that that seems to really define, you know, every aspect of our lives, including certainly uh, education. 
And, uh, and at the same time, you know, the relationships that try to kind of endure this uh, profoundly inhospitable uh, landscape. Um, and so, you know, um, my family is there with me and, and I kind of see this um, book because it is about psychoanalysis as, as kind of like a Freudian dream work. Like it's this, this sort of fractured mirror that you could probably trace down all the elements, you know, like, the sandwich. My father in the book is a sandwich, you know, and uh, and it's because I, I never really knew him. So we never really mm. spoke. You know what I mean? But within this kind of, uh, you know, the, the language of the unconscious, <laughs> it gets transformed into another form of muteness, you know, another another form of distance in a way. Uh, of course, it has this kind of comical, you know, satirical uh, uh, transformation. But I feel like it addresses, you know, a very kind of lived truth. And I think the rest of the book uh does as well it's really woven out of my you know daily experience um many and i think this goes back to your question about the politics of it like it's really cold from the headlines uh you know if there's gentrification it's because it's something you know i've had to leave my studio after 15 years because the rent went up 35 percent because so many of us are precarious because so many of us are uh you know just out completely flanked by these growing high rises um, you know, if, if there's a kind of totalitarian regime on the rise, it's a reflection of, of Trumpism and the fact that, you know, whatever the outcome of, of the election, it's here to stay. Uh, you know, this week, the Supreme Court is going to uh, vote on uh, the, you know, the Biden's, um, President Biden's uh, loan, um, you know, student loan mm-hmm. uh, relief effort. So so I feel like I tried to make it a, a kind of form of, of reportage, but then, of course, use this very surreal prism to uh, to deal with that. And I think the relationships, um, I think it's absolutely true that, you know, I try to work out perhaps in a very hopeful way, you know, the relationships that I have uh, in my life with my partner, Mary, who's a poet, with my mother, you know, who who uh, unfortunately passed away recently, was, you know, very excited uh, for this book. So I think in, in some ways it's me um, maybe subjecting myself <laughs> to a kind of psychotherapy and, you know, and sort of siphoning all of these uh, lived experiences through this kind of, you know, system of metaphors or this, again, this kind of like broken, broken mirror, which is the hell world. <laughs> but it is our hell. It is our hell. <laughs> the women uh, are a big part of the book, the women who are main characters. I mean, you reference the fact that the father character is literally a sandwich, cannot speak. Mm-hmm. So he's not given a voice in the book. But both um, the partner, Mary, uh, is your partner. I can't recall if that's the name of the partner in the book as well. Um, and the mother, they're this emotional core of the work. And the mother becomes a kind of hero. I don't want to be offering too many spoilers mm-hmm. because I'm hoping our listeners will pick this up. Um, but as we've really referenced, it's not so much plot driven as um, a larger meditation and comment on society and a lot of very dense and disturbing art. Uh, <laughs> but, the you know, there's a revolution in hell. I have mm-hmm. to say, and mm-hmm. there's uh, something of a complicated message about how that goes. But mm-hmm. the character's mother is a big part of it, and it becomes mm-hmm. an inspirational figure. I found. Yeah, I'm so glad you did. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my my mother uh, was an incredibly powerful force in my life, perhaps uh, the most powerful. You know, I, I had to just craft a eulogy where I, I mm. basically said, you know, how 
how I learned everything from her and how, how, uh, you know, I, I feel like I thought I was original prior to really kind of learning more about her life. And now I understand that, that I'm, you know, very much a, a kind of, uh, you know, again, woven from the, the, the foundations that, um, she built in me. And so one of the things that is very continuous and obviously, you know, things transform in the book. Um, she's a different person. I would say it was a different person politically speaking. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of liberties that I take, but the one thing that is fundamentally consistent is that how, you know, tough she really was in her life. She's incredibly heroic figure, uh, especially, you know, if you consider that she brought me to the United States on her own, at age 39, you know, um, with no support. So, mm. you know, so, so I feel like it's an homage, uh, to her in many ways. And I've actually, you know, since her passing, I crafted another chapter that, you know, if this book continue to, if this hell world <laughs> continues to grow, if I continue to spend my life in hell, in this hell, you know, um, then that could be, um, uh, you know, an, an addendum or a supplement or some kind of, um, you know, an extension of the story. But uh, but I, I think that it's fundamentally true that, you know, these are the kind of central relationships in my life. These are my great teachers. I, I owe uh, so much to my partner, Mary, in terms of uh, writing, in terms, you know, she, she hers are the first eyes on anything that I write or, or render uh, as an artist. And so, you know, I'm deeply, deeply obligated to these figures. And um, I'm I'm really actually heartened to know that that, you know, you find those relationships, the emotional core, because I feel like the scene in the restaurant, um, you know, with my mother in the book, that's the one where I feel like something really like, you know, those like deep, deep traction in that in that scene. So I always think back on it. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very much uh, about, you know, these very powerful people in my life. You've mentioned a lot of the influences um, for the work, but I wanted to give you more space to talk about it. I mean, the Dante's, you know, Inferno is referenced constantly. It's a very early work about hell mm-hmm. and itself, you know, a political statement at the time. Um, and you know, there's, as our reviewer pointed out, you know, there's a kind of soprano style of this where, you know, the, the therapist has his own therapist. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I like the Herzog reference you made, even though it may or not may have been more about the process of publishing than the storyline with Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to speak more about some of the, you know, like coming, to, writing about hell is not a new thing, but you're still yeah, sure. working to give it a, a new uh, outing here. So what, what did you draw from and how did you um, refresh hell for this work? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I should say that, um, I, you know, one of the, the things that kind of shifted me into comics from painting is uh, it's, you know, the, the cinematic aspects of the medium. Mm-hmm. And so and I remember actually hearing um, Cliff Chang at MoCA talk about, you know, his experience of uh, I think he was in graduate school or college and, you know, he wanted to make film. But he's like, well, you know, I, I sort of don't want to deal with, with this kind of, you know, collaborative, like this, you know, the epic aspect of it. So I'll just make a comic book, you know. And so I think that was my transition from painting, where looking back, I thought of painting almost like statuary, that it felt kind of immobile. And so uh, so the influences uh, <clears throat> are certainly literary. I mean, I'm a big 
uh, lover of uh, Douglas Adams, you know, so that mm. was a really formative influence on me when I was uh, a kid, uh, or I should say a teen. Um, certainly, you know, as as a as a Russian who was, uh, you know, um, grew up within a, a Russian literary uh, context, um, you know, I thought of, uh, you know, uh, Bulgakov, I mm -hmm. thought of, um, uh, you know, Dostoevsky notes from the underground, this kind of, mm -hmm. she, you know, internal, uh, monologue. Um, then, you know, obviously there are uh, figures like Neil Gaiman, but I, I, that, that I feel like I'm, you know, in conversation with, even though it's not necessarily, um, I, you know, like super direct. Uh, and then also, you know, Art Young, you know, Art Young's, uh, social, uh, critiques in, uh, the Inferno, uh, Art Young's Inferno and then <laughs> Hell Up to Date. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, Mobius, uh, and Jodorowsky and the Incal, like all of these, uh, asides, of course, Alan Moore in terms of the use of, um, you know, sort of ancillary matter, whether it's advertising or something that can, create the world uh i mean it's it it's there you know obviously in the watchmen and to a certain extent in Prometheus as well and then the the film um world that i inhabit you know we watch um horror films it's kind of the one genre mary and i can uh indisputably agree on you know it's where it's where we merge and so films like american werewolf uh in london you know that brand of horror comedy um uh, Cabin in the Woods, uh, you know, I was a big, uh, Buffy and Angel fan back in the day. So that, that kind of pivot, you know, from horror and something that looks, uh, you know, quite scary, uh, violent, but at the same time, really funny. Uh, and then, you know, recent, um, masterpieces, uh, like, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, and The Boys, which I watch avidly. So I feel like that's the kind of, uh, tissue of, of influence that, um, you know, that, that is on the background, um, in the background. But again, it's like, I feel like it's being seeped through a very kind of personal, uh, diaristic, uh, approach to this. Tell me a little bit about what it meant for you to join the New York City comics scene as somebody who was an outsider uh, coming from paint, the world of being a painter. Um, you know, it can be a clubby, clicky scene in, in New York and in Brooklyn in particular. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this this is one of these uh, of um, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it could be seen as. Um, as this kind of, you know, very, uh, serendipitous series of events, mm -hmm. uh, or it could be, uh, just be seen again. And like, if this is a book about therapy and discovering your desires, then maybe I somehow unconsciously gravitated into this space. But basically what happened is, you know, I, my studio <laughs> went up, rent went up 35%. I had already been kind of talking about comics. And I became friendly, uh, you know, via an introduction from my friend uh, Kimi Takesui, who was a filmmaker who I knew from McDowell. And, and, and so when I was at McDowell, you know, uh, I brought like, the drawings, I brought the, um, the story and I had some comic drawings. And what happened was during open studio and metal day, everyone like that corner, that neighborhood of my studio, like just everyone <laughs> was very, very, 
attracted <laughs> to this work. Um, and to the extent I was like, hey, what, <laughs> what about the paintings here, you know? And, <laughs> and so, uh, so afterwards, uh, and so I, you know, received a few encouragements to be like, hey, you should make a graphic novel. And so as we were leaving the residency, or I think when we were out, I contacted Kim and I was like, hey, you know, maybe I should think, really think about this. And she's like, I know a comic artist, you know, a comic artist. And this was Dean Haskell. Yes, whom, of course. Whom I, yes, whom, uh, <laughs> well, whom I, I call lovingly, of course, he's become a very uh, good friend, uh, the Pied Piper of comics. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, I pack up my studio. And so, you know, we meet for lunch and he's like, you know, you should do this. Uh, why don't you just do 10 pages? <laughs> you know, he's like, you can do 10 pages. He's like, okay, I'll do 10 pages. And, but then long story short is that my studio closes, painting studio closes. And then the very next day, I move into Gowanus Comics Artist Studio, which was a studio in, um, you know, in, in Gowanus in Brooklyn. And Dash Shaw, whom I also knew from the kind of, you know, residencies and, mm-hmm. and mutual acquaintances, uh, I, when I said I moved there, he's like, oh, my God, you found the comics microverse. And it's true because they had, you know, Dean and Kari Randolph, <clears throat> Margaret Dubai, John Allen. Um, you know, just a, a number, uh, and Stephen Harris, um, Sarah Gomez Woolley, Owen Brosman, Frank Reynoso, just a wonderful, and then of course it was Michael Valara, you know, it just had this wonderful, um, energy, um, and, uh, and what was amazing, it was like this hub of other comics artists, of course, kind of passing through it. And so that really acted as an incubator. So it was, uh, I, I have no doubt that the comics world is just as clicky as the art world and the lit world. I mean, they're all, you know, I'm sure clicky to a certain extent. But, uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I could not have found a greater, uh, greater luck in terms of ending up somewhere. Not only, I feel like, was I accepted, you know, really generously, um, but I also feel like I was uh, taught, you know, by osmosis. So if comics is a, a kind of apprenticeship, you know, uh, yes, I mean, there are programs for it, but it's like you kind of learn through observation by people looking over your shoulder. I consider myself very, very lucky that all of a sudden I ended up in this space, which was inhabited by masters, you know, at the top of their game. And so that also kept the pressure on me to make the book, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I always think of Emil Ferris, who's, you know, my favorite thing is Monsters. Also had a you know really tough time uh, getting printed and and distributed, and I remember her saying that she would um, give herself um, affirmations in the mirror, you know. So there were definitely moments of like near exhaustion, but because I was in the space, uh, there was enough peer pressure for me to you know be in the scene, be be at my tablet, and uh, so that was a very very uh, you know that was a, a a lovely, lovely part of my life. Unfortunately, the studio closed, you know, because of COVID. So, mm. you know. Was that your first MoCA where you and I met uh, this this past uh, spring? Uh, was that the first time you'd shown your work at MoCA or had you come before? Uh, so I had come as uh, a fan, uh, observer and consumer. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been going to MoCA and actually just to go back to, um, you know, the 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 women in my life, 
Uh, Mary, uh, who is a uh, poet and has, is a veteran of countless AWP mm-hmm. um, events, she actually saw Tom Kay speak at the Walker back in the day. And I remember mm. at, at AWP and she came back and was like, you know, I just saw this incredibly fascinating <clears throat> uh, publisher speak. And so, you know, she started buying and she's always been a fan of um, comics and graphic narrative. And I actually had stopped collecting for a while, you know, so I was a comics nerd when I was a kid, stopped. And then, you know, thank you, Mr. Dean Haspiel, for kind of bring, <laughs> enabling, <laughs> reawakening uh, the um, the addiction. So with with Mary, we had gone a number of times. And so for me, it was like this revelatory experience because I saw it um, so you know, like if we think of hell as a reflection of, um, uh, you know, as a potential reflection of modern life or, or as the shadow of heaven or, uh, you know, however you want to frame it, I feel like Mocha is the kind of like anti art world, you know, or the anti art right. fair. Like, first of all, everyone is drawing, you know, like it's a, this love letter drawing, uh, to drawing. Um, everyone is incredibly open about their process. It feels uh, incredibly welcoming. Everything, of course, is affordable, uh, for the most part. And so, so to me, you know, like this, I came in there wide eyed as a uh, consumer. And then that was indeed the first time uh, that I got to be on the other, you know, on the other side of the table. Uh, but I had been, you know, a great uh, supporter of the of the festival for for many years. You mean if you're comparing Mocha to say like Art Basel or something like that, yes. you've got <laughs> yes. Absolutely. it's the completely opposite where people are selling their books for two dollars and will we'll walk around Correct. and give you a hug. Absolutely. Um, and look, look at your work. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the other thing, you know, it's like give you impromptu portfolio reviews. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's incredible. Well, I, I meant to ask because I just want to say congratulations again on the Mocha X. Oh, thank support. you so much. Thank you. I know that that is always, you know, as much as people come confident in the quality of their work, it's a, it's a crew of like handpicked judges who just go through and make these selections. And some of them may have not been familiar at all with the work prior to seeing it at Mocha. Like the only requirement is it's on display at the show. So it's, it's very democratic in some ways, um, process and it's, it's a lovely honor. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I was very humbled and, um, you know, surprised um, and, uh, and incredibly heartened by it, um, precisely because it's, you know, this was my first outing, as it were. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, well, I want to close, but I want to say that, you know, you'll get this um, ship over the hill. Uh, it'll come out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and uh, probably this will be up um, just before folks can get it in their hands. So, you know, please, listeners, go to your local indie. I'm sure it will be up on Bookshop. And you can also just go directly to Uncivilized to find out where to buy it. Um, again, this is a book that we're talking about is Damnation Diaries out in August from Civilized. And I want to thank you, Peter, for being on More to Come. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's a great honor and pleasure. Absolutely. Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons at Publishers Weekly Comics World. I'm here with Michael Bialinas at uh, FlameCon 2023. So, how how has your FlameCon been? It's been uh, been interesting. It's first time in uh, New York uh, since the past since uh, 2019. It's uh, very nice to be here. A lot of lovely people. 
Um, I'm just happy to see my friends and all my, uh, you know, James's crew, Tanyanya. Uh-huh. So speaking of that, um, what book are you promoting right now? Well, I think I'm promoting multiple books. Uh, right now we are promoting the third book of Winds, which just dropped uh, last week, and which wraps up uh, the first three. Uh, so right now the first three books are, uh, are available through Boom, and I am promoting my upcoming series called Zawa and the Belly of the Beast, which will be officially announced next week. And so, how have sales been this year? This year or the con? Oh. <laughs> at the con this year and this year in general? Uh, generally, I think everything's fine. Like, uh, at the con, I'm not 100% sure, but we've done, we have been giving a lot of books, and uh, my hand is a little bit sore <laughs> from all the signing. But, uh, yeah, I think everything's fine. Yeah, everything's good. Excellent. And if you could tell our listeners one thing, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard question. Just, just whatever you want to know. Yeah. Like, I haven't asked you, I, I don't know every question in the world to ask you. What do you want to tell them? Oh, uh, it's weird that August in New York has so much rain, but in Greece, where I'm from, it's a heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> Weather is weird. <laughs> Weather is very weird. Thank you so much. This is Kate Fitzsimmons from PW Comics World. More to come here at... FlameCon 2023 with Isaac Goodhart, who's presenting uh, the, the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos, right? That's right. So, uh, can you tell me about, you know, your FlameCon experience this year? How has it been going? Uh, FlameCon is my favorite show of the year. It's a show where you can be very authentic. You can do basically whatever you want to do to express yourself. I came in drag for the first time today, so I was in full makeup and costume uh, for my panel, and it was so much fun, and it was a complete surprise to my team, so I got to see them gooped and gagged. <laughs> so, can you tell us a little bit about the book you're presenting today? Yeah, The Oddly Pedestrian Life of Christopher Chaos. Issue 1 and 2 are now out and in stores today, so it's about a teenage mad scientist who's going through the world feeling very alone, and then he learns over the course of the first issue that monsters are not only real, but are hunted and forced into the shadows by secret societies and have been for centuries. So we're retelling all of these classic horror trips through a queer lens. So there's Frankenstein, there's the mad scientist, there's a vampire, there are werewolves, uh, but it's a very new modern spin. So how has FlameCon 2023 been for you sales-wise? Sales-wise, it's been very good. Um, um, you know, we, we're the whole mission is to get word out on the book and to meet fans and to get this book into the hands of new readers. And and because of that, um, we did very well. We're very happy. We sold out of issue two. We sold out of all of our variants. So we're very excited. Thank you so much. And if you could tell our listeners one thing that I haven't already asked you, what would it be? To follow me on Instagram, at Isaac Goodhart. All right. I was just about to ask you for your social contact, so now I know it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. This is Kate Fitzsimmons from PW Comics World More to Come here at FlameCon 2023 with Stephanie Williams. Hi. Can you tell us about what books you're presenting today? 
yes. So again, my name is Stephanie Williams. I am most known for bringing back Nubia to the DC Universe. So I have Nubia and the Amazons. Nubia Queen of the Amazons, also Child of the Amazons, and a few other things available over a little bit of Magic the Gathering with Jason Baraska, which I love. Uh, a fan comic I wrote called Living Heroes, Living Single Beast Marvel. A little bit of Captain America, a little bit of My Little Pony, uh, a Wanda and Storm backup story I wrote in Scarlet Witch number two, and a few other things that are online that you can find if you go to my website, whystuff.com. Thank you so much. And how has your FlameCon 2023 been? It has been excellent. Flamecon is right up there at one of my favorite conventions. It's my first time here, and I would absolutely love to come back. And how have sales been? Phenomenal. I'm going back with 5% of what I came with, so I'm always happy about that. Almost sold out. That is excellent. And if there's one thing I haven't asked you that you would like to tell our listeners, what would it be? Please check out uh, Unsung and Strange Heroes of the DC Universe. That is a visual encyclopedia that I wrote. It will be out November 7th. James Gunn wrote the forward to it. And if you're a fan of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, there's a graphic novel that I wrote, art by Asia Simone. That will be out April 2nd. And where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Thank you so much. This is Kate Fitzsimmons, and I'm here at FlameCon 2023 with Rachel Silverstein. And um, tell us a little bit about what books you're promoting today. Yeah, hello. Um, I'm Rachel. The two books that I'm promoting here at FlameCon, one is called Renegade Rule. It's about uh, four queer best friends on a virtual reality esports team published by Dark Horse Comics. And it was uh, GLAAD nominated last year. And my other comic is a short story in the Legend of Korra Patterns in Time anthology, also put out by Dark Horse Comics. And so, how has your FlameCon 2023 been? It's been good. I've met a lot of fun people, made some friends with my table mate, and had a great time so far. Excellent. Uh, Is there anything that I haven't already asked you that you'd like to share with our listeners? (laughs) Uh, some comics are in the works, so definitely stay tuned. Thank you. And where can we find you online? All of my socials are at Flirty Mango. Thank you so much.